I'm Amanda Leitner and welcome to Rochester Rising, where we amplify the stories of Rochester entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 161 of the podcast today. So today on the show, we got to sit down with Colorado native Jeb Taylor. Jeb Taylor is the owner and founder of Jeb Taylor Knives, a Rochester-based business that creates handcrafted knives. Jeb originally got interested in making knives while he was stationed in the U.S. Army, and he really honed in his craft while he was living in North Carolina and eventually relocated to the Rochester area with his family. In 2017, he started Jeb Taylor Knives and began crafting tactical knives, but as transitioning into more kitchen cutlery. On the show today, we talk about how Jeb is growing and marketing his business over the past three years. We talk about his very entrepreneurial family and more. So stay tuned today and don't miss out on the show. You can find out more about Jeb and his business, of course, by listening into the podcast, but you can find him as well at JebTaylorKnives.com and on Facebook and Instagram. So check it out. And those links are in our show notes as well. So check them out there. So if you enjoy this story, you can find many more podcast articles and videos talking about the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Rochester on our website at rochesterrising.org. You can find our podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So check us out on any of those locations. All right. So now on to the podcast with Jeb Taylor and Jeb Taylor Knives. Well, thanks for being here today to talk about your kind of entrepreneurial journey with Jeb Taylor Knives. So I appreciate your time today. Well, thank you very much. Um, so yeah, I always like to understand, you know, people's passions for, for what they were doing. So how did you initially kind of get exposed to knife making and get interested in that? Well, uh, I was always a lifetime, uh, lover of knives. I grew up in the eighties, so there was a lot of mo- action movies that had knives prominently featured <laughs> and I, I always loved them. I thought they were great. Um, probably around 2010, I was uh, working overseas and I was out there and there's like a village blacksmith and he was hammering away on like just a hard piece of metal with this anvil he had and he was making uh, machetes out in the middle of the jungle. And I was like, I could totally do that. That can't be that hard. And so I tried it and I was just <laughs> not very good at it at all. And um, I'm still not that great at forging things, but... It sort of piqued my interest in making knives. Uh, I was living in North Carolina at the time, and there's a large, uh, it's the North Carolina Custom Knife Makers Guild, and their meetings are open to anyone. You could just show up if you have any interest in knives, and I showed up to a meeting, and everyone was super friendly, and then I was traveling a lot for work at the time, and so I'd miss, like, they had four meetings a year, so I'd miss a few meetings for, you know, for half a year, but... When I came back one time, there had new leadership and nobody recognized me, and they made me get up in front of everybody and say uh, who I was and where I lived. And it turns out there was a pretty re- re- uh, well-regarded knife maker uh, lived right uh, re- lived in the same town as me. I knew who he was. He didn't know who I was, but I knew he lived near me. But <laughs> afterwards, he uh, he uh, came over and he's like, "Hey, where he lives?" And it turned out he lived like five minutes away from me. And that was his worst mistake because after that, I just kind of leached onto him <laughs> and he became like my mentor. He's like a big brother to me now. 
So that is how I got started in just making them. Uh, I still traveled a lot for work, but probably about maybe four years ago, uh, I think it's good. I don't think you should have to monetize a hobby, but I was at a point where I was spending enough time and I was doing enough what I would call quality of work that um, I thought there was some commercial viability to it. So I started uh, selling some here and there, and um, that was sort of the beginning of Jeb Taylor Knives as a, uh, as a as an enterprise. Yeah. You know, I think that's an interesting point you made there that you shouldn't have to monetize a hobby, and that's something, you know, we talk about a lot is if it's, you know, a lot of people follow passions um, and think it's a business, but if you're not making money off of it, it's not really a business. It's, it's a hobby. But I think there's an important point there too, in that, you know, you just have to do stuff that makes you happy too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a fine line between, and someone said that to me, I was thinking back to a podcast we did a few months ago at this point. I was talking about something that I do. I didn't think there was business potential. And they were like, well, if it makes you happy, it shouldn't matter how, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you need, if that's your primary source of income, that's one thing. But, you know, just to, you know, satisfy a passion that you have. I mean, that's what entrepreneurship is about, the freedom and the flexibility. Yes, I agree. Um, so I think we'll talk about this a little later, but when you were overseas, was that during your time in the army or yeah. was that something? Okay. No, that, yeah, I was in the, uh, I was in the army for uh, 20 years. I, uh, about 10 years as an infantryman and then 10 years I worked in special operations in uh, civil affairs. So I just, I coordinated government functions for the DOD and, uh, host nations, mostly as the Philippines. And then I worked, uh, there's the Balkans down into Turkey uh, through Syria through kind of the last uh, my last stretch of time there. Okay, and you I can't remember. You're from Rochester, or your wife no, was. I married a Rochester girl. That's how you got here. Yeah. Then. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, I grew up in Southwest Colorado. She is she she's from Rochester. She's a rocket, um, and then she was a great lady. And I was I was probably gone so much of our marriage. Uh, we we're down in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and so. She has a giant family in Rochester, too. They're everywhere. So when it came time to retire, we moved up here, which is just, it's wonderful. I got good in-laws, so it's, it's not hard for me at all. Yeah. I didn't know you were from Southwest Colorado. I don't think we actually ever talked yeah. about that before. <laughs> I, I, I say Durango because people have heard of Durango. Yeah. But I'm from Bayfield. Nobody's heard okay. of Bayfield. No, no. <laughs> no, Colorado, it's, it's a nice place. Um, I love it. <laughs> Very, you know, outdoorsy and, you know, beautiful and it is. very different scenery. Yeah. <laughs> Although Southwest, I don't know if that's mountainous or it's more way like the desert. The it was way okay. up in the mountains. It's up in the mountains. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because Colorado Springs is more like desert. Like, right. Yeah. Or is that not? Okay. It's kind of the edge of, uh, I call it the, the edge of Kansas. Okay. It's like that that w- seems fair. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, the prairie, the prairie, the prairie. Then here's the Rocky Mountains all okay. of a sudden. Yeah, I know my husband always talks about wanting to go to Colorado Springs to visit. I don't know how he has that in his mind that that's where he wants to go. It's a good jumping off point for the rest of the state. Yeah, I think that could be. Um, So you moved, you retired from the army, moved back to, or moved to Rochester and started Jeb Taylor Knives. So do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what that business is and and when you started it here? Um, So we probably 2017, about two years ago. as anything, the uh, it's kind of it's kind of grown. I, I used to make a lot of tactical knives because I was in the military, and that's what I was all around. And then when I retired, um, 
I just sort of wanted to move away from that. I, I didn't want the best thing I ever did in life was my time in the military. I wanted to just kind of do something new and try and be good at something new. I, and I, I don't know what you call that, but I, I, I just sort of want, I just didn't want to be known as always being, I, I liked my time in, but I don't want that to be the best thing I ever did. Um, a friend uh, who makes uh, kitchen and butcher knives, and I always appreciated the connection he had by making knives for people who cook. Mm -hmm. That's really what I copied off him. It's not his knife style so much, uh, but I always appreciated how much connection he had to people using his knives. And I always thought it was remarkable and it was very admirable. And um, when you're making like fighting knives, like really, honestly, people don't fight knives very often in the real world, it turns out. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's so like, you know, cause they cut cardboard, but, you know, when people use them in the kitchen, it's wonderful. It's like you kind of get to be there with them. And like if you make a good knife, it's like a lightsaber. Like, I mean, that thing just go, it makes everything easier when you're cutting. Yeah. See, if you ever use a sharp knife as versus not one, you'd be like, I can't go back now. So I just, the, uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have that connection of me making something and helping somebody else. And I think that kitchen and then butcher knives, uh, make me feel happy about making them <laughs> yeah so you started out well so you started out making like the tactical outdoor yeah. fishing knives yeah. and then kind of transitioned into the kitchen knives so yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about kind of the products that you okay. you offer and then how you kind of transitioned from outdoors to yeah kitchen I, I made a lot of this knife uh and i still make some the uh because i mean they, they pay the bills there's a following for them uh, it's a it's a knife for jumping out of airplanes. If you're in charge of people parachuting, you have to have a knife uh, in case they get tangled up in their stuff or whatever. And I was able to kind of take that and pro make prototypes and go have people use them and tell me this is good, this is bad, and get feedback and then start you know getting all the knives machine doing all the machining to, you know to speed up time. And uh, it was easy when I was in an army base. I'd sell a ton of them because it's a very tight knit community. Um, but then, as I moved, uh, as I moved away, it was, it was pretty, you know, s sudden life change for me. Like I'd, I'd been at Fort Bragg for 15 years. Uh, been there for like I didn't move around in the military very often. And um, so then it was just sort of a, I don't know, it was, it was a conscious decision that I just uh, didn't want to do it anymore. And so the easy part is once you're once you've expired the stocks of metal or everything you had cut up, you just don't order anymore. Right. <laughs> uh, you, you can make the decision pretty quick once you run out of you know uh, out of the uh, the big thing. In knife making is like you have a lot of upfront costs at once. Like mm -hmm. you know, I just spent Machinery. two thousand yeah two thousand dollars in metal, and now I just mm -hmm. have a box full of metal that nobody's bought this box of metal because mm -hmm. I have to make a knife out of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. The uh, so it was just you know, pretty slow transition. I worked on three of that other knife today, but then I worked on 15 boning knives this morning. Yeah. Uh, and you do everything in your your shop next to your house. I do, you do all the forging. All yeah, the... I do. Uh, you know, I get the uh, I get I do the CAD the the design work there, and then I get the I get the blanks cut, uh, water jet down in Michigan. Um, the the, the, the people I use there, they're a, they're a distributor for uh, cutlery steel, which there's not a lot of them out there. Hmm. So if, if you're getting, you know, it, at a distributor's rate, it's like 35% cheaper than buying uh, when you're, when you're, when you're, 
when you're buying, you know, metal by like its length and volume, you're paying the worst retail markup on earth. Mm. Um, it's like buying a bottle of water at an airport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it, price gouging. It is. At extremes. Like when you start buying it by weight, that's when you're like at the in- entrance uh-huh. to industrial level. So it gets to like economies of scale. It type. does. Yeah. And the yeah. more you can do that, che- you can get it cheaper. So, and then I'll have all of the blanks water jet and then uh, uh, a lot of surface ground just to get them perfectly flat then they'll send them up here and then i'll grind them and then do any other machining on them uh, get get the blades ground all the finish get the handles finished things of that nature there right here in uh, my shop i do a lot of the heat treating for a couple things i've sent it out but most of it i do right here um and that's just it's just the uh it aids the profitability. Every time you farm something else out, you know you're you're, you're re- reducing your pro, you know your, your your profit every time. Yeah, yeah. And then it's your time, and it's like, what's the balance? It is. You know? Yeah. The uh, and I, uh, I I got young kids. I'm a, f- a full time student over in Winona also. So yeah, time is very valuable. So yeah. the uh, I forgot you were a student too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're balancing a lot right now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So when you transitioned into doing the kitchen knives you're yeah. transitioning now yeah you know is there much difference in how you're making the knife and how you're marketing or what what is yeah. your what is your yeah. transition you know, like there uh, they're, they're a lot thinner like they're a lot okay. yeah the, the way you make it like uh, yeah they're a lot thinner they're a lot more precise i think they're a lot better because they have to slice you know some knives are made that like people use them as pry bars so it's actually easier to make something super thick but if you're trying to make something super thin um, I try and get 12, I try and make the sh- a chef's knife blade 12 thousandths of an inch thick. So a piece of paper is three thousandths of an inch. So four pieces of paper is how thick oh, wow. is the goal uh, in, in the middle of a chef's knife blade. Um, so it's very thin and it's a very large surface. And sometimes, you know, I, 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 one technique, I just made a bunch of uh, chef's knives and I had them heat treated before. So I had to grind them and they can't get hot while you're grinding them, but they're so hard. They're like hard as glass. Um, so it just took forever. What would normally take me like maybe 20 minutes to grind, I was taking like 45 minutes. Oh, wow. And so then, doubling your time to production. Yeah. And then you're just a sad panda. You're just like, right. oh, it's gonna be 45 minutes. So, and the- And uh, you have to sit there and hold it the whole time? Yeah, or? you're just- Okay. I, I can only grind going from left to right. I can't do it the <laughs> other way. It's like Zoolander. Um, so yeah, it takes, it takes a long time for me to do those. Um, and then the uh, you have to make some and give them to people you trust to before anyone actually sees the knife. I think there's kind of a lag time in what I work on. Sometimes what I'll, I'll, I'll advertise or show people I'm working on. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very close cohort who actually gets to see what's going on in real time. Plus, yeah. you need people to say this is horrible or I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need your prototypers to test yes, it out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I, I was very fortunate to find a few right here in the area immediately. Uh, so we would find a, a couple butchers to help me out. Um, and those are really, when it, in, in, when it comes to cutting, that's there's very few professions where someone can articulate how good a knife is better than a butcher. Okay. The, uh, the, that is just so valuable to them. So I'd be able to get a lot of good feedback. Yeah. So how are you connecting with customers then? Is it mainly through your website or in, are you in stores or? I don't know. Not the, uh, not very well. <laughs> the, uh, um, I, I, I'm in a couple stores, uh, luckily, uh, Fig here in Rochester. Okay, was, you are in Fig. Yeah, okay. They were kind enough to let me uh, have my wares there. It's super nice, fancy store. If I don't feel like I belong there, the uh, but they uh, they are. And then a lot of word of mouth. Uh, I still ship 
most of my boxes to the southeast of the United States. Like you people the so mail. You were following there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just because I was there, and that's where you know I had made friends for so long. But it's, it's expanding up here. Um, my website is uh, it's very well architectured. It's not very well maintained because I'm the maintainer. And but you have a website. And I do. It's clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, which is yeah. a huge win. Yeah, yeah. It's very nice. It's, it's very well done. The. Uh, um, but I'm the maintainer, so that's that's I'm the I'm the I'm the weak link in that. I like Instagram, I like Facebook. I don't I don't feel too. I'm, I'm 40 years old, you know. I'm not that. I'm not good looking enough to be, you know, immediately likable. <laughs> um, I, uh, I I yeah I try the uh, but. Uh, I feel like you do a lot on Instagram and I Facebook. do. I, I try not to show my face very often. It's just usually pictures of my hand holding but something. But people like to see the person behind <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just a lot of pictures of my hand holding things because I don't really. Yeah, no, that's I, fair enough. Yeah, just, a lot of people don't like to be in their picture. I don't like yeah. to be in pictures. I'm like, eh, no, yeah. let's let's do something else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're in yeah local stores and people can go into Fig and find yeah. it there and um, order from you yeah. as well online and you ship it. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember talking before about something weird about knives and Facebook. Like, you can't, like... So, yeah, there, there's... And I don't understand it, and this is where I've, I've transitioned over. The uh, and I would maybe reset my, the entire course of my business uh, from this. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, they only like kitchen cutlery, and they do not like knives. They don't like hunting knives. Yeah, they don't like yeah. anything else. And, like, I think once you get labeled a knife, you know, like, once... <laughs> You try and do an right. ad, and they're like, "No, you can't do this. Yeah. There's no change in the. Uh, you're just you're you're labeled." Mm-hmm. Um, because I do the people the kitchen, uh, uh, kitchen cutlery people do advertise. Yeah. But I would decide to start over again. Not not that I have that many people following. I could start over. And it wouldn't, I don't know. It wouldn't cost me much. But it's kind of been like <laughs> tagged as like. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you make me feel like you know, like you're a bad person. Like I'm like I'm like I'm over here make a little knife like you know. But, but honestly, I feel like word of mouth is everyone's best seller i think you know so i don't know that i put that much stock in in social media advertising anymore and i'm probably going to get some messages about that but i don't know i don't i uh i i don't don't know the right answer i was i was i was recently featured in like the like called blade magazine it's like the new york times of cutlery essentially and uh i was featured in in uh it was comp. it was like they they requested i submit a knife i did they i got four pages in there a bunch of pictures and I, I honestly did not see a bump in anything. Mm. I, I, it's hard, yeah. And I was like, maybe it's just knife makers are the only people who read Blade magazine. Like it could the, uh, be. I, I don't know. The, the I guess it's just like, because I read that as a kid, so maybe I was just impression. But I, I, in my mind, I thought this is gonna be. A, there's gonna be a great upsurge from this. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, and I had a knife reviewed on a. Uh, not totally obscure, but a pretty small website for a firearms manufacturer, and I had <laughs> I, I had great responses from that. I think huh. like, I sold like six knives from it, and it was like a one minute review. The guys are cutting rope. So it's finding the influencers. <laughs> it somehow. is, yeah. Um, that's interesting though, because you like never know. Like everyone has to make all these hard advertising decisions, and it's like <laughs> it's like you don't know what's going to come out yeah. the other end. It's hard. It is. The, uh, <laughs> um, I think. I think someone was able to like. There's a lot of like websites. Have those ads when you see other people when you're on a website for something you like, and then those little banner ads. The follow-on ads. I yeah. feel like those are like maybe the most successful because yeah, you're already at the website because you like it. Mm-hmm. You're not accidentally bumping into it. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm sure there's probably someone who does analytics for that. That's yeah. phenomenal. 
Yep, I know somebody who does that. Yeah, Google, you need some Google, yeah. Google ads. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's true. You know, associating with, um, you know, other items that, that people are interested in that are similar. Um, it's like we were talking before, you, in the, you were in the army for 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know, so prior to this, did you have business development experience before? Or how are you kind of learning how to do those things? I got really lucky. Um, I got medically retired. Uh, I got my bell rung a few times, and I got medically retired. And um, the SOCOM, the Special Operations Command, has its care coalition, which was started during the war. I think it was like 2010, 11, somewhere in there, to fill in the gaps of bureaucracy for wounded uh Army, Navy, Marines who worked within special operations. And they had a lot of people and they had money and they had, you know, it was was set up for being like, if you get blown up and your wife has to fly to Germany to to meet you, you know, Mm -hmm. you're you're, you're at the hospital, what happens to your dog? These guys would like, no kidding, like, don't worry about your dog. It'll get fed tonight. (laughs) They'd find a way and they would just, Mm -hmm. you know, they would cut through the bureaucracy. They they also started doing, what are you going to do after you get out of the military? And they had uh, these internships, and I signed up for it. I knew what I wanted to do, so I did a uh, internship for a year. My last year in the army, while I'm getting ready to get out, uh, I worked at a toolmaking uh, apprentice at Wilmont Grinders and Knives in uh, uh, Hope Mill, or outside Fayetteville, North Carolina. So, like, I would go there to work. That's, a, that's just what I did. So I got to go make production knives. And grinding, he makes really high-end grinders. If you're into knife grinders, it's it's the it's the high end. And so I made those, and I got to go from I made an, a knife to like if you're making one knife, you're you're losing unless you're making absolute works of art. If you want to do production, you need to make like no less than ten at a time. Mm. And so it's pushing batches of ten to twenty-five. Like how to line that up, you know, looking at like I'm gonna order the metal from here. I'm gonna you know make sure all my parts match. Uh, I all your screws match everything so you can do it the most quality job efficiently as possible. Mm-hmm. And I got to go do that for a year and it probably changed the arc of my life. Um, having that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think that exposure is so important, you know, yeah. because otherwise it's like, you know, how do you know what you like and what you don't like and get that training in it? Exactly. If you don't have that opportunity. Well, especially like you join the military when you're young. Like I was, my mom signed me away and, uh, you don't really have a lot of, if especially you stay in, you know, you don't really have those years. You hear other people talking about finding themselves. You don't really have those years. Like, you have a job and you're gone and you don't get to like, I, I want to go backpack and it's dangerous. Europe. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Uh, you, you just don't get the, so maybe, who, who knows, maybe had I not joined the military, I just would have become a machinist early on and I would have been happy. I, who knows? You know, it's, it's a lot of what ifs, but uh, I was fortunate to have this, you know, I knew I liked to work with metal and things of that nature, but that internship... Uh, definitely made me know that this was something I could do, like go from an idea to like, this is very viable Mm -hmm. and this is how the numbers work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So besides, you know, that internship, do you feel that you took that skills you learned during your military service were applicable? And I always notice everyone who's ever been in the military always shows up early. So that's one thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Timeliness. Always on time. That is, yeah. The, uh, uh, time management. Um, I think being honest with people. The uh, if things aren't going to go good, tell them as soon as possible. Mm. I used to say uh, bad news doesn't get better with age. So if, if things aren't going good, uh, I've had you know, just being honest with customers. I think honesty. 
really there's no there's there's no room for gray area in the military. They, you know they ex- <laughs> they expect honesty always as the absolute standard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just been. I never, I never take people's money until I have a knife ready. I don't take <laughs> deposits. I want to be able to walk away and not owe. You know, I don't want to have any moral or uh, uh, kind of guilt feeling involved mm-hmm. with anything. The mm-hmm. uh, and you haven't gotten burnt yet, Anna. You know, I uh, once or twice, but it worked okay. out in the end. The, Sold uh, it somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the uh, I mean, if I was doing like some crazy exotic something, which I don't do yeah. a lot of, I would. But it, it's worked out, and I, I sleep. I sleep well, so that's the key. I think that's the thing. And, you know, I got all kinds of, I wouldn't say it was bad advice, but advice I wasn't super comfortable with executing on early on. And now I don't, I'm confident enough that I don't really, you know, listen to it. Yeah. You know, the, the advice that doesn't seem right to me. And that's just what you have to do. Cause you're the one, like you said, at the end of the day that has to sleep on it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you have to be happy with your decisions and how you want to operate. Yeah. Um, so how do you balance? So you're a full-time student, right? Yes, at Winona have a family and are doing this. So how do you balance all that stuff? Um, I get up early. Yeah. I'm, I start, I start class at eight o'clock over in Warren. So that's okay. I, I, I consider it an hour drive. It I, is, I give yeah. myself an hour and then, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I try and just fit it in. I, I, I try and work from two till four before my daughter gets home. And then from like eight thirty till whenever. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm in the shop at from five till eight. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's so a full day. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah, it is. It is a little bit tiring. I've got a couple guys who've been helping me out though. So that's good because there's a lot of it's very detail work, but it's monotonous. And once you can do it, like the grinding of the blades is the hardest part. Like that's like the one thing I can't really farm out very at this point. Like I have to do that, but drilling mm-hmm. holes and tapping holes and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I've lucky I've got, I've, I've come across a lot of few uh, once a couple family members and other people who were able to help me and uh, not everybody's able to, I mean, doing precision metal working is not for, it's not for everybody. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, like you said, it's very detail oriented. Yeah. Um, I had something else to say about, but I forgot. Um, so you're an entrepreneur. Your wife is an entrepreneur as well, right? With she pot- is. Is it pottery by Jessica? Is yes, that the name? Pottery by Jessica. Pottery by Jessica. So, you know, how do you, how do both of you talk to your kids about entrepreneurship? Do you, or what do they think about what you're doing? I think, I think my, my son's for, so he sees it as a, uh, he sees it as a competition for time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because he's like, we were speaking earlier. He's, he's not allowed in the shop. He's just not the kind of kid who can be in the sh- a metalworking shop at four years old. My daughter was fine. Not, she's just magically the kind of kid who did great in a, that environment, but it's not for my son. So he just sees a competition for time. And I try and break it down for this is where toys and food come from because he understands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The uh, my daughter she gets it. She's she, my daughter. My my, da- my wife's a butterfly. She's a great lady, and my daughter takes after her. The uh, and uh, yeah, she's very artistic, and my she's a hustler. My my my, da- my daughter starts making pottery. She likes it. <laughs> the uh, my wife gets it from her father. Um, so I I guess I don't discuss it much for me. The uh. But my, my, my wife is, is a hustler and she's a very hard worker and she does great uh, work in her pottery. So I think she's a good role model for my daughter. Yeah. So they're just watching everything you guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, well, my daughter does, she does, she throws her own pottery too. Like my wife okay. has taught her, the uh, everything I do does just not, doesn't appeal to her. I tried, you know, I'm not going to force it, but 
it's just dirty yeah, and knives to little girls are yeah, not super appealing. <laughs> and even grinding knives, it's just dirty. There's grit flying. It's 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 not a fun work environment. Maybe when she can cook, you probably yeah. don't want her cooking with sharp knives. Yeah, exactly. At this point. Yeah, <laughs> but no, that's fun. She's doing some pottery and learning. Yeah. you know how to how to do that um, and how to you know yeah. make sales and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, I think like we talked before, that's something I like grew up around too is like metalworking and and running a small business so you know it's yeah it's definitely a uh i don't know what you want to call it a lifestyle yeah <laughs> that you see from your parents and the hard work that it takes it's that'll be the one lesson is if you have to work hard the, uh, yeah you, your parents ain't rich so you're gonna have it's, it's on you yeah if, if you want something you're gonna have to work hard yeah <laughs> yeah all right so i just have a few questions to take us to the end of the podcast here. Okay. Um, and I'm asking everybody, and these are new ones for 2020. Nice. I'm ready. <laughs> so we have some fresh ones. Okay, so, you know, I think people are always interested in, in learning about new things to read or things to listen to. So what are what are you reading or podcasts you're listening to right now? I missed out on podcasts until a year and a half ago in life. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I just did. I think it's because I got AirPods. Well, I worked for the government, and you can't have phone. You, wherever, right. I, wherever I worked at, you can't have a phone or right. EarPods or anything happy yeah. every, in every building I worked. No uh, GPS capabilities. Yeah, and so I just missed out on podcasts. Um, I listened to this one here. Uh, <laughs> there's one called Knife uh, Knife Talk. It's, okay. uh, it's three knife makers. Um, I listened to some on uh, uh, Six Sigma and like lean manufacturing strategies. Uh I think in another life I should have became an industrial engineer. I really enjoy the process and like shaving time off of process and how process, because if you only have one person, you really have to maximize your time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so building a process to do everything I do, I'm always interested in. Um, I'm reading Foxfire number 10, reading the Foxfire books. It was this, it started out with this college project in North Georgia. And it was to capture knowledge of uh, Appalachia, kind of specifically North Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. Okay. It started off with Foxfire One, like back in 1960, and uh, it was just a great series of books if you just want a different perspective on life in Appalachia. Huh. And I just got number ten. And it's been out for a while, but I just got a copy, so I've been reading that. I think it'd be really interesting. What's the one? Is it kind of like Hillbilly Elegies? Are you familiar with that one? I think that was like West Virginia. It was based in West Virginia and like a coal mining town that it like might shut be, down. This is everything like, you know, like how to, like, and it's like, you know, it's, it's written, you know, verbal dictation, like how okay. to skin a hog, like how okay. to make moonshine. The, uh, here, <laughs> here's a story about, you know, use that root over here to fix your ankle. There's just, uh, and now, you know, just cause they lived in, you know, Appalachia, they might be simple, but it's not that they're not smart. Like there's it's remarkably like smart. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. The, uh, and it's just recorded a different way. So I always think they're interesting. Yeah, I have a family member. She was in Boone, North yeah. Carolina. Still there, I think. But yeah, she like loved it there. And would like go and find like these exotic mushrooms yep. and stuff for like restaurants. And I mean, that's a skill because you could kill somebody if yeah, you exactly. get the wrong mushroom. Yeah. But <laughs> no, she loves it there. She's probably been there for like 10 years at this point. Um, okay, so what's your favorite spot in Rochester? Um... I'm not sure. I always, people make fun of it. I like Olive Garden because that's where I first met my wife. <laughs> the uh, 
So it yeah. has history. It is. I like it. You, you never see an Olive Garden go out of business because people are happy when they're there. <laughs> you got a lot of food, <laughs> you got a lot of bread. A lot of carbs, a lot, <laughs> a lot of food, of good sauce, and people yeah. are happy. You don't, you don't see unhappy people. So. Yeah. No, that's true. I've only been to this one once, the Olive Garden here once. Um, I'm still waiting for Chili's to be in town. Like there has to be too. some story about why there's not Chili's in town, but <laughs> I, I feel like it would more. do well. <laughs> I don't know. I think it would. The, uh, I think yeah. There's a lot of great food options. I don't think I, – I, I think people like all sorts of food. I, I, I appreciate, you know, people who make works of art, but then there's people who make just good things, and you know you're going to like it. Yeah, yeah, and good food's a work of art too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's one key resource you've found in the community that's been useful? Um, I would – I'd say the Internet. Just social media has been nice to meet people. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I probably met more people who were in who who were I was not directly related to or married into um, off the internet, and I was trying to be very opening with people. I have people out of the shop all the time, the uh, just to come make knives or not or I don't know. The uh, people were always kind to me, so I was trying to just, you know return the favor. But I would say, right, social media it has allowed me to meet more interesting people, and it was just something I never did when I was younger. Yeah. I think that's a good point, though, an interesting point, because we think of social media as like, you know, national or global, but you can yeah. connect with like people right around the corner that you wouldn't even know of. Yeah, I you love know? it. I like to look at it. I like to see what's going on. The, I, meet, I met tons of people in the area that I would not have met at all. No chance whatsoever without it. So. Yeah, I would say my... If I made a resolution this year is to spend less time on social media and actually took Facebook off my phone. Um, it's felt good so far because it's just a time suck. Like, I'll go on my laptop and look at it, but I won't yeah. just sit at home and look at it on my phone. <laughs> I can go either way. You know, I have, I have friends, you know, you have these very, uh, very uh, complex experiences with a lot of people mm-hmm. in a lot of places. But for a short period of time, you're never that together that long. And, you know, you're always going here, there, there, whatever it is. So I like it. I get to see all my people's friends, the... Uh, and I wish it was just more cat pictures and politics, <laughs> but you know, I keep seeing those kids. The, yeah, uh, but I like it. Yeah, I I find a lot of kids, cats, and dogs on yeah. on my Facebook and Instagram. So yeah. maybe just knows what I want to look at. Um, so, is there one thing you wish you'd done differently with your business? I, I I wish I just understood. I probably just would have made it like a blanket cutlery company. I just would have made it started off me as a kitchen company. And I sometimes think maybe you just split off the brand. I don't know what the right answer is, hmm. but like, I just need to I just need to do it, or, you know, or not, or you know, stop complaining about it. That's what it is. <laughs> well, I feel like you always have to start with something, and that was yeah. something you knew like pretty well, and then kind of transition over this. So yeah. maybe you never would have, you know, taken yeah. the leap. I I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I had a discussion with my husband a few weeks ago about about something, you know, like if you don't try this one thing, then and it doesn't not to say that it didn't work, but, you know, maybe not your favorite thing right now. And it's yeah. like if you didn't try it, you never would have gotten to where you are. Yeah. <laughs> so every experience is valid. That's <laughs> why after I had kids, I had no regrets in life because everything led me there. <laughs> I once I had kids. I was like, this is perfect. I love my kids. So it all was supposed to be here. Whatever it was. Here I am. And yeah. I'm happy. Meant to be in Rochester, yep. Minnesota. This is it, right here. <laughs> Making knives. Yep. <laughs> awesome. That was my last question for you. Um, I'll ask you for any final thoughts if you have them and where people can find you and your knives. I, uh, well, first off, thank you very much for having me here today. 
Um, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast and the million, uh, One Million Cups of Rochester, which you invited me to once long ago, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm on Jeb Taylor Knives on Facebook or Instagram. The uh, Not a lot of guys named Jeb, so it pops up pretty easy. And JebTaylorKnives.com. Uh, and I live out in Marion. If you're ever sending to Knives and you're in the area, shoot me a note. I'm pretty user-friendly. Uh, it's, it's not a bank out there. Come on out and check them out. And I just like to talk about knives. Yeah, so I would be happy to discuss whatever you have. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks to Jeb for taking time and sitting down with us today and sharing his story. Again, to find out more about Jeb and where to purchase his knives, you can check him out at JebTaylorKnives.com. And I also saw one at FIG the other day, so you can find his knives in person at FIG as well. So check it out. So we're always looking for great entrepreneurs to have on the podcast, Rochester entrepreneurs. So if you know of a great entrepreneur in Rochester that has a good story to tell, send us an email and let us know at rochesterrising at gmail.com. All right, that's a wrap for the podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen into your podcast content so that you never miss a story of entrepreneurship and innovation coming out of Rochester, Minnesota. Today's podcast was hosted by me, Amanda Leitner, and it was produced by Matthew Eng.